welcome to episode 377 of the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. And I'm your host, Denise Oyston. And as I mentioned last time, we have a series of fabulous, even though I say it myself, guest interviews for you guys. And these are different people who work across the recruitment space, will be able to give you some insights and some ideas and share some of their stories as well. You may, some of you may remember we had Dawn on a few weeks ago, we've had other people and we thought we'd have a real focus in April to really help you by giving you some inspiration and some ideas. So we are kicking off this month with the lovely Cheryl and that is Cheryl Wing from GSR2R. Now, Cheryl has been working in the recruitment space as a rec to rec And of course, during this time, she has placed many, many candidates that is probably pushing into five figures now as well. And um, Cheryl works in a very small space in central London. And also because she has been around so long, she loves training, she loves coaching. She also helps people do their own recruitment. So she's been running masterclasses in the space for over five years now. And uh, she's worked with over 40 companies, helping them to uh, really build their EVP, how they go out to the market and how they can actually attract recruiters into their organization. And in this particular episode, um, Shara is going to give us everything about what's going on in the market now, um, what you need to do, what you need to consider if you are scaling and growing and you want to you know, recruit more recruiters into your organization. And she's sharing it all. So you will be able to find a video on the Superfast website. And also, obviously, you've got this podcast and you've got um, a, you know, a summary of basically what Cheryl says as well. So Sharon did the interview. So I'm going to hand over to Sharon now and enjoy. Welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. An obsessive focus on marketing and sales is the only way to accelerate your company growth. So listen in now as we share the latest strategies and techniques guaranteed to deliver you more placements and profits. Hi, Cheryl. And a big welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. It's lovely to have you as a guest. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Sharon. Now, there is a lot that we're going to be talking about today. And as I guess, being really honest, actually, I'm going to be asking questions and I'm going to get you to do a lot of talking because you've got such experience that we want to tap into and share with listeners. But before we dive into that whole world of how do you recruit amazing recruiting talent, maybe you could just share, you know, what what has led you to, you know, doing what you're doing today, you know, with GSR2R and everything else that you're doing, because you have been around the industry in a really positive way for a few years. <laughs> Are you saying I'm old, Sharon? Uh, Not at all. <laughs> thank you for having me. And it's uh, it's really lovely to be here. And I was just thinking when I was coming to, to the meeting today that, you know, it was 15 years ago we met. And uh, we started years. our wow. relationship because, yeah, and we started our relationship because 
you've taught us how to market ourselves basically and to be able to I feel in Rectorette be one of the first to brand ourselves over many months directly to candidates so thank you for that Um, I'm really excited to be here (laughs) and want to share as much information as I can because I know this subject is something that all recruiters have to do to be able to grow and I see the good and the pain because of that on a daily basis and I think sort of asking why why we do it why you know 23 years I've had GSL Tour actually done rec to rec it's a long wow. time it is a long time and it is a long time isn't it and I think what comes from that is seeing people get their highest strategies right and watching what snowballs because of that is really one of the things that we really enjoy in GSL Tour so Obviously, we make placements like everybody else in recruitment, but I truly believe our placements are the foundation, really, of, of how companies grow. Because recruiters make a difference, you know, to your culture, your bottom line, how many clients, candidates you can bring on. You know, they're, they're fundamentally part of your success. Um, mm. Well, your success, really. So I think that's the driver after all this time. I mean, just to, to go backwards at GSR2R, we do two things, actually. We obviously recruit recruiters, mainly sort of um, four years experience plus. So we're not a junior right. recruitment business. No. We go out yeah. and we head home. We build relationships with these people. And also about five years ago, I personally started delivering sort of bespoke training, masterclasses to recruitment businesses that wanted to get ahead and do their hires themselves. So Mm. I go into the business, have a look at what's going on, what's good, what needs to be put in place for them to be successful. And I've really enjoyed watching recruiters just be able to do that when it's been such a struggle for them for such a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, so we offer the two services. The Rectorec service actually is London-based. We um, have clients internationally because our clients in London have grown there. But with the masterclasses and really helping people empower themselves to attract high performers, that's been all over the UK and Europe based as well. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I guess you know I, I'm guessing that 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 that's evolved because you are very sort of like focused on London from a rec to rec point of view. But I know that you were super keen to actually share your experience and expertise a bit more widely, and the masterclass allows you to do that, doesn't it? So um, absolutely, I think one of the things it well actually I can tell you how it started and um, I got a recommendation from a lady who owned a business in Cambridge and she called me up and I said look we just can't take you on in Cambridge it's not our business model and she was so passionate about getting it right I just on the call said let, let me come and teach you how to do it right and I watched her just within a day together put our processes and methodologies in place and just watched how her business grew and we obviously can't recruit for everybody, but we can talk to them about how we can empower them to do it themselves. So, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So so let's kind of tap into some of, you know, this amazing expertise. And if you, if you think about the market today, there so much has happened over the last few years, hasn't it? And the market is continuing to be quite dynamic and, and it's, it's evolving and it's a roller coaster. I mean, from... Your experience as a rector rec, you know, working with recruitment organisations every day, how are you seeing the market at, at the moment? That's a really good question, actually, Sharon. And I think I want, when we talk about the market, I want to split it into two things, if that's okay. And that's recruitment companies are recruiting. And then, of course, the recruiters are 
if they're looking for a new job. Mm. And I think if we take the recruiters first, the really good news is they are moving. And I think that probably might be a shock to some people because they find it so hard to get them. But, you know, we've generated recruiters. I personally still recruit recruiters. I've recruited, I think, about over 2,000 in my time, and I'm, I'm still doing it today. I think people definitely are in the mindset that they call us up and say, oh, it's just impossible. Well, clearly it's not impossible. We're in, we're in business. Yes, yeah, so the candidates are moving. And I think, you know, if we go back, COVID gave candidates, when they came out of it, a sense of confidence I haven't seen before around being able to move from one right. company to another. Yeah. And we've seen more, say, three to 500k billers, which are like the elite, the best in recruitment, yeah. move in the last three years than we have in the last 10. So wow. if you have, yeah, like really, like really amazing people. And I think companies are shocked that they're moving because they think they've locked those people in for life. Yeah, I mean, basically. I was going to say, you know, what, what are some of the reasons why, you know, you've seen that level of movement in that real, you know, they are the cream of the cream, aren't they? Absolutely. And such a short amount of time for it to happen as well. Yeah. Look, I could list lots of reasons, but yeah. I think recruiters, you know, stayed in their companies when they were unhappy because they liked their clients or they were earning good money yeah. or they really liked their colleagues and something kept them. And also, Sharon, the fear of starting again. Because no matter, yeah. even if you're walking into another hot desk, yeah. you're, you've got to rebuild your brand and yes. kept them where they are. Yeah. But I think COVID gave them the confidence to actually think, my personal happiness is more important than all of those things. Right. And that's a word, you know, that's really important in life, but we never really heard it. Like people would call yeah. up about money or better leadership or, you know, want to work in a different sector. But the word we're hearing more and more on the first call we make is, right. I just want to be happy, which, right. you know, people might think, gosh, that sounds even a little bit like wet. We're recruiters, right? But yeah. they want it all, basically. Yeah. Mm. And happiness comes in such, such different form for so many different people. Yeah. So I think I think COVID gave them the confidence and a big shift for that to happen. I mean, I right. definitely like to say, you know, we have lots of methodologies going on at recruitment, sorry, in recruitment at GSR to Art to, to, to contact and be in touch with these candidates. But yeah. that shift had to happen for the amount of people that we've seen. Right, yeah. So I think, I think there's some confidence in candidates, basically. Yeah. When it comes to companies, what's happening right now, look, I think we need to look, after, look over the last three years, really, because we all went through COVID together. We did. 2001 for everybody was just this absolutely unprecedented, nobody could have known how busy that year was going to be, definitely for yeah. clients, you know. Yeah. I was talking to people who were having record months, record quarters, you know, candidates were having record months. It was amazing. And through that, there was a huge amount of growth. So my companies, you know, grew in their normal teams. They grew in different sectors. They added to their companies, mm -hmm. which also brought, by the way, a lot of opportunity for senior people in recruitment to leave for bigger roles, which maybe we hadn't seen pre-COVID. Sure. There was so much growth. 
And again, in 2002, companies, you know, went forward. They were still trying to bring people in. And then I think at the end of last year, which matches what was happening on the news, you know, people became a little bit more cautious. There were still very much key hires going on. There was still growth into what they thought were emerging markets. Yeah. But I think the absolute panic recruiting had started to, to finish. And then the beginning of this year, well, we all thought we were going into recession. So, you know, there was a little bit of caution. But actually, talking to my clients in the last two weeks, they've just seen job numbers really come back. Right. So, but we've also been told that our economy grew in January. I mean, tiny, but still it's positive. Yeah. We don't have a threat of recession right now. Yeah. So our market does sort of mirror slightly what's going on on the news. However, Sharon, I know we spoke at the beginning of the week about a report the BBC came out saying that although job numbers are slightly declining, they're still massively up pre-COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the challenges there are, are we looking to grow from 2021 to 22 when we were in a very crazy market or are we benchmarking ourselves from actually we were bumbling the line along the line, you know, from where we weren't we going to go into a recession before we mm. went into COVID. So I think it's strong, you know, but people are being a bit more key hires. This is where we need people. Right. I think right. the thing to mention yeah. as well, key hires, yeah. yeah. I think one of the things probably to mention, which I've never seen in my career before, is that I've seen some redundancies from the tech and media sector right. in recruitment. Yeah. And since, you know, we started that market maybe 15 years ago at GSR it's just always grown. But last year, I felt there were some, some redundancies in that market. Not, of course, three to 500k pillars, but no, maybe no. people that have gone into the market at a junior level. So, yeah. yeah, so I would like, there was quite a lot of information there. I'd say the good news is candidates are moving. Yeah. And I would say companies are recruiting, but there's no panic recruiting anymore. No. I mean, and just, I guess, taking that, you know, what you were saying about, you know, that there are a lot of companies that, that have really grown and have been successful recruiting and then you know you were saying that and then there are you know you come across many people that said well it's it's just a nightmare you know we just can't get anybody what do you think then are some of the differences you know between organizations who clearly are very have been successful recruiting and and you know really fueling their own growth versus those that, you know, really are tearing the hair out and saying, look, you know, we're struggling, we just can't get quality people. I mean, what, what's the difference? Yeah. I think actually, um, Sharon, so just thinking about that for you, I'd like to talk about that again in two bits, if that's okay. One, coming out of COVID, what did people do quickly? Because again, I think that was a time when everybody was recruiting and, you know, candidates got five or six offers to, to right. think about. Yeah. And then I guess there's just genuinely what do people have to do consistently to make sure that they get good recruiters in all markets, really. Yeah. yeah. I think nobody will be shocked if I talk about the fact that people threw money at the situation. Yeah. I think everyone listening, if they were recruiting recruiters, would have heard some stories about that. And yeah. my clients were no different. You know, there were people who we would say to the candidate, we think in this market, you know, you can get a 20% uplift. And our clients were giving them 30 to 50 without us asking them. Gosh. 
Yeah, really, <laughs> I've never worked in the market with a pandemic. Yeah. Outstanding. I, coming up 2008 recession, we definitely saw an uplift in salaries then, but nothing like this was. Like this one. But then I don't think we saw our clients come back so quickly. No, um, and, and, I, and I guess, you know, that it, there was – you know, you know, the reality was that, you know, in and not just our industry, but in many industries that, you know, there were a lot of redundancies made, you know, yes, furlough kind of like yeah. really helped. But a lot of people did actually, you know, you know, make a lot of their talent redundant. And so when the bounce back, yeah. hit, it was like, oh, my God, we need all these people back. Absolutely. I think actually just on that point, Sharon, three things happened in COVID. People left. They left the industry. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. At one point, we um, throughout all of COVID, we surveyed our candidate and client database to keep in touch with how they were feeling. Yeah. And at one point, fifty-one percent of ten thousand recruiters told us they were trying to leave the industry. Half, crikey! I I know a lot of people leave it, but that's significant. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that many left. But when we were sort of June, July, two thousand and twenty, they were trying. Mm. Then I think you know, most recruiters lost 10 to 20% of their staff to other companies. Yeah. And then on top of that, of course, people made people redundant or let them yeah. go. So you're right. When the job numbers came back, it was almost a panic situation. Panic. And yeah. that's why they threw money at it. And we saw sign-on bonuses, guarantees, enhanced commission structures as the norm rather yeah. than occasionally. Yeah. What was interesting, though, was even though people were throwing money at it, our candidates had moved into a situation where, yes, money was important, but also so was work-life balance and well-being. Yeah. So yeah. the people that increased all their offers only still got the best candidates if they put everything else in place as well. Right. So it wasn't just all about money. No. No. It's yeah. what the clients could do very quickly. Yeah. But I didn't, like when I was negotiating contracts and I was giving these good offers, and of course, like, you know, can't believe that I'm about to give this to you. Sometimes instead of thank you, you would get, but what about my working from home? Because yeah. that was equally that was the, yeah. important. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And if there's anyone out there at the moment thinking, well, I can't throw money at the situation because it's, sometimes it's not business sense. Mm. Um, we put a poll out on LinkedIn. I think we've got like 1,500 people come back saying, what would be more important, work-life balance or money? 51% was work-life balance. Mm, wow. So if, you, if you're thinking, what can I do? Sorting out your benefits and work-life balance package so it's actually above what other people give. Yeah. Also help you at this stage when really you attract good people. Yeah. So, so those that are struggling, it's not, it's not necessarily just around, you know, perhaps not being able to offer those high-level salaries. It, it is that whole package. And often, actually, the rest of the package can sometimes outweigh, you know, that that salary. You know, I, I guess, you know, for you and the, the people that you're working with, you know, if if someone, you know, perhaps doesn't have the same level hike up in, in salary. I know everybody's kind of looking for, you know, pay rises because of cost of living and everything. But yeah, if you are hybrid working, for example, and you're not spending, you know, five, six, seven thousand on a season ticket for the train in the same way, and all the other costs of commuting in and out of London, then 
you have some leeway around the uplifting salary that you're looking for, don't you? A hundred percent. You know, I mean, and I don't want to say that they don't want the money, but no, no, it's, it, it, it's the whole decision. It's the basically, it's the whole yeah, it's yeah. definitely other things. And actually, yeah. like, rarely we do move people on slightly less money because they need a better company. I mean, yeah. You know, all recruiters, when they leave, you know, if they're on 50K basic and earning 100 OTE because they're a good recruiter, it's very, very rare that they're going to earn 100K in their next their next role in the first year because yeah. they're going to rebuild their brand. But actually, yeah. all recruiters end up going backwards to go forwards anyway. Yeah. So when they move, it's never just about the money. It has no. to be about other things. But yeah. we definitely saw the biggest uplift I've ever seen yeah. on finances. Um came to offers so Sharon just to answer your question around what a company is doing long term to, yeah. to get good people because I was, I was thinking what, what, what's changed and, and how does it influence moving forward yeah yeah absolutely I think the other thing that happened and why people got people really quickly was I quickly mentioned that we surveyed our candidates constantly so when yeah. we were coming out the market with crazy we gave the information to our companies um clients and we said right these are things you need to put in place now to get the best people and the people that act the quickest and really put their business in the position of what this new market looked like mm. i feel got the best people where lots of recruitment companies were just really keen to get back to how they were right not really maybe thinking about the fact from a recruiter's point of view, we're in a new world now. Yeah. And what do we need to do? And I'm just, so they were things like increased holidays. Right. Really looking at what your, your work from your work life balance would be now. So some of the things that were really popular wasn't just the amount of days in the office, but it was how you work your hours Mm. because all of a sudden Sharon, people had dogs. And they needed to look after them. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, I, if you said to me 10 years ago, I'd be talking about dogs when I was getting offers, I'd say you were crazy. But I started talking about people needing to be at home for this. And people were used to taking their children to school and, and picking them up. And they didn't want to stop those kind of lifestyle yeah. scenarios. Yeah. So a really popular thing um, that we gave our clients the idea, and of course, they, some come up with themselves to do, was that, you know, if someone works nine hours a day or 40 hours a week, that you weren't so precious about how they work them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't have to be at the desk nine till six at home. Yeah. They, they could work them in different ways. And a lot of my companies tend to have like core hours, maybe 10 till three where they're at work and then the rest yeah. is done in their own time. So we became a more adult business and that's mm. really number one thing I think that recruiters wanted so it was how quickly people reacted to this work-life balance more holidays also we started to place people who live in Manchester and come to London once a month because interesting candidate yeah they can get more money yeah work for a different kind of business what they've really enjoyed the candidates we've moved is like working on London clients bigger fees, bigger salaries, yeah, etc. So quite a lot of companies that have been open to good talent not being in the office and being able to live elsewhere. Interesting. Yeah. So I think there was like a really it was a shift towards 
what's the world going to look like now rather yeah. than let's go back to how we were that yeah. got the best recruiters. Yeah. I think if you ask me today, things are changing again, actually, Sharon. In, um, in what way? Yeah, I'm just thinking about it while we're talking. We've had more, like last year, we didn't register one candidate who said to us, I want to go to the office five days a week. It just <laughs> that doesn't happen. surprise me. This year, yeah. it didn't happen. You know, we'd always say, what would you like your work-life balance to be? And yeah. you know, it was on the, as much as possible, out of work. But this year, I would say 10% of our candidates that we're working on, and we place 80% of people that we work on, so it's a high percentage, are asking to go in the office five days a week. And of course, now we're saying, we're not sure we can do it. <laughs> um, because not all our clients have that ability but yeah. there's a slight shift there's a slight shift to coming back in the office I know from conversations I've had that my clients are having a bit of a headache at the moment because maybe they've got underperformers that need to work with performers to be able yeah. to learn yeah and they've got all their performers doing really well at home and loving it <laughs> They want to bring in either new people or underperformers, or maybe they're doing a graduate scheme. They want to to mix them to yeah. you know build that all important culture and for people yeah. to learn from. And I know that's a headache because it's hard to get people in once they're doing well at home. Yeah, but yeah. this has got to grow, and you know that's that's probably you know out of my what's the word like it's above my paycheck to talk about so that really. <laughs> Sharon. <laughs> I, I know that it's happening and yeah. you know they're calling me saying what are people saying how are we going to incentivize them how are we going to get them back in I think it's yeah. tough yeah it, it's interesting you know literally on Wednesday Cheryl I was reading an article and it was the communication that Mark Zuckerberg has sent out to you know Facebook okay. employees this week and, and meta employees should I say announcing you know unfortunately kind of like more redundancies in the tech space and and part of his communication was around a lot of research they've been doing on on hybrid working and he said yeah. you know it, it is very clear to them that you know when people are new to meta new into roles within meta that there is significant value in the first let's say 12, 18 months of, of that new role and being new to the business, the people that are in the office collaborating, working with experienced people and all that, that the performance and the development of them is measurably different to people who are remote. And so he, he, yeah. he got a very strong yeah. message to people saying that they're going to do more research around hybrid working. And his message was to find as many ways as you can to collaborate one-on-one, face-to-face. Yeah. So there's a real strong yeah. message there, isn't there? And, and, and I'm sure work habits absolutely have changed, but I think we're probably going to see an, an ongoing evolution of it, you know, yeah. to, to find some common ground between what, what you know, as individuals we want and, and what our employees want. Because if not, we're heading for a bit of a standoff I totally, yeah, I totally agree with you, Sharon. I think, and I totally agree with what he's saying as well. I think 
if you take it into two different bits, if we're looking at traction, let's get these recruiters in our business. Yeah. Then everything I'm telling you regarding the well-being is really important. And also you can hire, you know, what people call like plug in and play. They do the market you do. They're a high performer. They know what they're doing and you can give them this work-life balance. Yeah. On the other hand, we're trying to build a team and a culture and share information without these real superstars being part of being in the office. And I, you're totally right. Like you've got attraction and you've got retention. So the attraction you need to offer great well-being but for retention you need people to feel like they're part of a culture and they're doing well yeah but you know one of the things I think we've advised our clients to do is that they've actually got to get better at culture and collaboration online right because a lot of people we place I mean I've got a lovely girl actually that I personally placed recently and she doesn't live in London and she loves her business she comes once a month but they don't talk to her weekly online. And I think if you think about, and that's a problem for her, by the way, if right, you think about COVID, we did exercise classes together online. Yeah. We had coffee yeah. catch-ups to make sure we were all okay. We were doing bingo. We had like wine tasting where I sent everybody wine tasting. and we So we were brilliant at it. Yeah. And actually the forefront, you know, what, what was coming up was, are these people okay? And we could do what we did in the office online. Mm. Yes, as people have got really busy and people are doing lots of things, we're not as great. Making I know that the we effort. Wrote a really big article in 2001 about can your managers or leaders lead or manage in, in today's market? Because you yeah. don't have people in front of you. And it's yeah. a different thing to be able to engage and, and lead on, on a virtual world. And I do have clients, Sharon, who completely went virtual from five days a week to going completely virtual. We both know a great company that you introduced me to and I run a masterclass mm. in. They've done their own internal recruitment. Who did that? And it's been the best thing they've ever done. done. Yeah. But, but looking at their model, they do the same online. Where yeah. As we've got busier, the less we probably connect and and do it. So Mm. I think, yes, I mean, the importance of face-to-face is really up there. I I totally agree. And I see all the benefits. But but I think companies could look at what they're doing virtually before they think that's not working. I mean, I think that's definitely slipped a bit. Yeah, just I guess just kind of like, you know, expanding on that a little bit in terms of what are candidates, you know, looking for? So you know, does that flexibility of working, they, they want to feel part of something, obviously the person that's not getting any contact between the, the, the monthly office visits yeah. is is suffering because of it in some way. So I mean, yeah. what, what would you say candidates are looking for from employers today? other than that okay. flexible, just okay. in summary. Yeah. Well, I th- look, I think Generation Z are coming into our um, our marketplace right now and they're really challenging what they want from a career and right. it's really challenging recruitment businesses at the moment. So I think, you know, for us, recruiting with experienced recruiters, it's probably a little bit different to, to that generation. I, you know, we can talk about that. I mean, 
that's a big subject actually and, and something that's happening as I said right now I think if we take away well-being and we take away finances mm. I think the things that people, recruiters really want is they want to feel valued mm-hmm. the number one reason we see people is because they don't feel valued yeah and that's more the, the recognition the thank you the smaller things, which again, Sharon, if you're not in the office, it may not happen as much. No. I think, and, and these are like the softer things that maybe people haven't thought about. Having a voice is really important to recruiters. You know, you hire yeah. these people that are commercially bright and they um, they think outside the box and they can like do everything right for their candidates and clients and they can put really good deals together. They want to then take that into their business life as well. And mm. I think their companies want they want their companies to utilize that and and grow and support that. And that could be that they, you know, they have a um, particular subject that these people get together and talk about, or it could be that, you know, they have a, a networking group where they head up something else. But I definitely think recruiters want to do more than mm-hmm. recruit. You know, right. um, yeah. because picking up the phone these days probably isn't what we're all about. And I think they've got to build a brand and that brand might be that they're holding round tables or they're doing networking or they're really good at writing blogs or, or posts. But I think we've gone away from being, I want to be told what's to, what to do and I'll just go off and do it. Right. Yeah. Versus what needs to happen and how are you going to and empower me yeah to let me go and happen let me go and do that sorry yeah and I think the last thing Sharon would be they want the right tools to do the job these days Mm. Um, yeah because again I definitely feel that we do 30% more than we did 10 years ago for our clients and candidates which is really enjoyable but with that comes the fact that we need good social media from people like yourself and we need um there's some really good tech that we use yeah. and you know it's that they want to be supported by it, those things yeah and, and I guess another word for that Sharon is they want companies to be current you know like yeah what are they doing in today's marketplace to be different yeah. you know and even if they're doing super well what what's going to be next yes it's interesting you know just thinking I I was having a conversation last week with somebody and you know and even having tech but and also having access to the fact that your company are investing in marketing so that you know that the market is there to help you know yes you, you want to be developing your own personal brand but you want to have a company that's got a brand that's out there in the market that's got you know, things happening in the background and, and resources that you can tap into to, to help and support, yeah. make your job easier. And I was chatting with, with someone who had come from an organization that had that, had, had moved for, you know, a, a senior position to an organization that doesn't have that. And, you know, there, there are plans over time to, to introduce kind of like marketing, but it, it's interesting the difference that that individual is noticing and the impact that that's yeah, having, no, you know, so, so totally it, it's, it's really looking at that much broader, you know, I guess business support package in a way, isn't it? That will enable someone yeah. 
to be empowered and, and you know, to take their, take their initiative and, and really draw on their strengths and, and everything. So it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, Sharon, this is a, a really good topic for smaller companies who are thinking, oh, my gosh, like, how do I get these great recruiters when there's so many, like, bigger companies out there? Yeah. But what we find is that actually the smaller companies, it's easier for them to have these tools because they've got to buy it for 10 or 15 people, not mm-hmm. 150 people. Yeah. So actually, you know, having those kind of things in place make a real difference. And I, I know that although, you know, we have everything in place to attract candidates, marketing is so important because we used to, 10 years ago, just have people who called people up and headhunted them at their desk basically there's probably people on here think that gosh does that did that ever really happen but we did and we got really good success from that but now they're like why aren't you linking me in and they put the phone down you know it's yeah. like yeah. so we have to let people know what we do and how great we are at it as well sorry we have to give that over written as well as we would if we were talking I always found that a hugely challenging thing to do when that happened. And hence why it was great we met you, Sharon, because I was, you know, really confident in what I did. But, you know, like, I hated writing long emails, you know, or like, and all of a sudden I had to learn to do that. So a company that embraces that, I think, and has those tools is really, really important for people. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think... Over the over the years, you will have seen so many, I guess, mistakes that that companies make, and and I guess also you know distilled down, you know, and, and certainly something that you you share in in the masterclasses that you're doing. If you are a smaller business and well, business of any any size in a, in a way, and you really want to put together a really concrete effective process in your business for you know generating your own talent what would you say are the things that people could do so they avoid any of the mistakes that you've seen time and time again happen okay great it's a really good question I just can I just say the biggest mistake that I see happen and actually it comes down to hiring rather than attraction and that's that I talk to people all the time and I really know that they hire on their guts rather than fact. Like they've right. got a great personality or I really felt this or they remind me of their highest biller. Like it's all that amazing feeling right? rather than I've really checked their skill set and I know it's exactly what we need. Right. Or, um, you know, in the interview process, we went through every motivator and I know they're going to like, even if they don't have the skills, they're coming into work every day and they're going to really try. Yeah. Or their value system sit in our value system. Because yeah. what happens when you don't get that interview piece right and you hire somebody that you're really excited about is at best they're a low performer. At worst, they really disrupt your culture. Right. And then I see people go through pain for years with these people. Oh, so. Man. I think the interview structure for me is really important, but I guess people want to know as well, Sharon, like how do they get these people through the door? So Yes, absolutely. Think, yeah, so if I gave maybe like a quick synopsis, we call our talent circle of attraction that you need strategy, branding, and attraction. Now, interestingly, I've said attraction third, 
but you need branding mm. and strategy in place before you can attract. Everybody goes straight to attraction. Yeah. This would be my opinion why it doesn't work. Yeah. So you need a strategy like you have for your BD, for your clients, and you have for your candidate generation internally about how you're going to go out and get these recruiters. You need yeah. to know who's going to be involved, who's the best person to do this for you. You need to know not just what are you looking for, but this is my biggest tip. What's that recruiter going to want from you? Yeah. Like the person you actually want to hire, do you have everything in place right now for that person to want to come to you? Right. Because if what you offer isn't what they want, you're not going to get off the start. You're not going to get it. Right? No. So that, no. that's really where you need to sit down and think about it. And I think, Sharon, it's where the problem with Generation Z is coming in because people are going out to them and then expecting them to want what millennials want. What they've it. got. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, a, there's a real mixed match there. Yeah. Yeah. So they could just, and it could, you know, when I work with clients on this, sometimes I tweak three of their benefits and then that's it. They start to get people. It can be that, that quick. Basically. Yeah. So once you know what your offering is, and we've just talked about this, it's really important to have your branding in place. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you go to attraction, and you put out an advert or you send a LinkedIn message, they actually go straight to check you out. What do you yeah. look like? What do they feel? What can they gain knowledge on about you as a business? Yeah. And you basically, what they see is their perception. So if you send them a great message, but they log on your website and you've got no work for us page, worse for me, you've got one that just says, we're hiring, give us a call. Or they look on your LinkedIn and there's nothing about hiring recruiters or your advert just lists everything you want that recruiter to do for you. By the way, all recruiters know that's what the job is, not what they're interested in seeing. (laughs) Then, you know, they're like, I know what to do. Then you're not, they're not going to call you. They're not going to get back to you because you're not Mm. highlighting who you are. So your branding has to give over what you offer basically and why people work for you you know if you think in today's market you know if you take your team out for our for lunch and you say we're going to a certain restaurant the time you've gone there they've all googled the restaurant they've looked to see what everybody thinks and they've decided what they're eating <laughs> like this blows my brain <laughs> it blows my brain there's no element of just let's sit down and see what happens and actually this is happening in the job market you know you're, yeah. you're putting out an advert you're sending something through attraction and they're looking at you so mm. actually you have to take time with your branding it's really important and I know obviously to your expertise Sharon I only teach it from recruiting a recruiter's point of view yeah, but there's certain things that recruiters definitely want to hear and see to think. I want to go. I want to go there. Talk to that business. Yeah, yeah. So right. important. So important. So once you've got your branding and uh, strategy and branding together, then you can attract. Attract. And you want to have as many attraction methods going on as possible. Yeah. I mean, rec to rec is brilliant. Of course, I'm going to be very favourable over people doing that. Yeah. But it shouldn't be your only method. Yeah. But calling a rec to rec. You still need your branding there because yeah. we can only talk to them. They're going to do their own research. They're going to do their own things. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, you want to have your quick wins, your network, people that work for you already, who you can refer through. 
advert, do you know what? I'm going to say adverts don't really work, but I would say every masterclass I've done, I've got somebody through an advert once we've learned to rewrite them. So they'll get you somebody, but you can't rely on just those. Yes. And then you go through your longer term strategy, Sharon, of like your LinkedIn messages, you know, but again, we need to talk about how that works because one LinkedIn message is going to get lost with the other 30 they got that week. By the way, that's how many Yeah. Yeah. It's really so interesting look at how you stand out. Yeah, and isn't it's really and that's interesting to talk about standing out because I think something that as I'm listening to you, I think do you know what what you're describing is absolutely no different than what we experience when we are talking about you know general marketing, and that is that you know, people people are excited; they yeah. they want to get their brand out there, so they move into action implementing activities, which is very much like your attraction piece, right? But the reality is, is that those strategies that they're implementing, they will work so much more effectively when the foundations are in place, like who you're marketing to, what's your value proposition, what your message is, right? And and that that can get skipped over because we're so eager to get into action to get a result. And actually what you're saying is... You know, don't jump into action on attraction. Do the strategy bit, yeah. the branding yeah. bit, which is the foundation pieces, because actually they yeah. will make such a massive difference to the attraction when you then go to attraction. And it is no different, is it? So that's... It's just 100%. That's yeah. And I, if, it's, Michelle, if I could give you a top, give people that are listening a, a tip when you talk about the branding piece is that... You know, think about your audience because recruiters are like outgoing, I said before, commercially bright, you know, with good communicators. So to all of a sudden write, sorry, I do apologize, to all of a sudden write, you know, I've got this opportunity to be a recruiter and build a desk, you know, like they're turning off, like it's not exciting to them. You know, no. talk in the language that they would use, basically. Yes. And yeah. Get them excited about what you're doing because I'm pretty sure all companies I meet are excited about what they're doing yeah so get out there and talk about it you know, yeah, yeah. It, it has to be a different language of how you're attracting candidates and clients to your yeah. business yeah so sorry i just want to end by saying so that's the what we call the attraction piece but of course yeah. you've got to keep them right because you've yeah. now spent the money yeah. getting through the door and we believe to make sure you retain them two things need to happen one your interview process needs to be there to make sure that they actually are the people that you want want and they actually even if they can't do the job now they have all the foundations to want to do the job yes to do the job is super important yeah and i would say although we run masterclasses 90 percent in in clients that we don't direct direct for the biggest thing i've done masterclass wise for the clients we do direct direct for is i've gone in and rewritten their their interview structure right say the word rewritten champion they don't have one written. I written <laughs> We've introduced one. For them I've introduced one, yeah, because they just bring people in and they all say the same thing and, you know, they all get that great feeling. But you need to have one that the candidate enjoys and it's pleasing and you do sell your business. Yeah. You also really need to, to know what you're getting when you hire the yeah. person and that's totally possible. Yeah. And then the second thing is your onboarding. Again, isn't always there in recruitment especially if you're taking more senior hires. The research on onboarding is they are 72% likely to stay longer 
and they talk about over three years, if you're onboarding, it goes right through to six months. And you're 52% of your hires are more likely to work harder for the business if they have an onboarding structure that really embeds the values, the culture, the vision, and why they're there. And actually, I hope you don't mind, Sharon, but just going back to a couple of things we talked about today about attracting recruiters, two things I haven't said that's really important, why they're there, their vision, and what difference they make to that business right. is becoming yeah. more and more important, important. to people. Because yeah. they're not just walking into a business anymore thinking, I'm going to earn money, and that's it. You know, yeah. like, what is this business doing? Where, what do I play in it? And does that fulfill me? It comes back to that word happy that I used at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And within that comes social responsibility to the wider world. You know, what are we doing? Right. Do we have a green policy? Are we environmentally friendly? You know, what charities are we supporting? Like, people love that. And yeah. I think something that people are talking about more and more is court B. I don't know if you know this, but it's like oh, a certificate. You know, you get as a I was talking with a client about Court B ESG, which is kind of like what yeah. you're talking about, isn't it? You know, that old. Yeah. I don't think it's easy to get. Yeah. I don't think it's easy to get, Sharon. And I haven't had someone come to me yet and say, I want a business that's got it. But when someone's in four or five processes and they a company mentions it, it sort of puts them to the top of the list. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 It's something that I feel really makes really makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, I, I, I had to go backwards. But I just yeah, no, that. no. I and it's that. it's a good point because I, I last question was I was going to say to you, you know, what what impact do you think this you know the corporate social responsibilities, you know, has has evolved to okay. the, the ESG agenda. And yes. literally I I was with a client at the beginning of the week, you know, we were talking about they have a huge focus around ESG and it's a real big part of their, their purpose and, and their vision and everything. And and we were talking about actually that does it, there would be value in them perhaps, you know, applying for court B status. And, and I think particularly perhaps with that Gen so. Z audience, especially exactly what I was going to say, I think yeah. that's probably going, we, we will see it becoming, you know, a bigger part of things as is, and perhaps if I could just get you to make, you know, maybe one final comment around this, because I'm really conscious of your your time and you've been so generous with it today, is where does, you know, the whole DEI conversation fit in with, you know, what people are looking for and culture and, and, and everything else? I guess that's the only thing that we've we've not, you know, mentioned. It's an interesting one, actually, Sharon. And, and GSR2R went, everyone at GSR2R went on a really good course that's actually run by recruiters for recruitment businesses when it comes to, to DNI. So I would, you know, if any of your listeners want to know about that, definitely send me a message because I'd highly recommend them. And I, I think we, you know, like it was a topic that people talked about. And now I just think it, people think it's standard, as in, yeah. where someone three years ago would have said to me, DNI is really important to me. I want to make sure they've done this and this. People don't ask for it because they, they think it should just be there. Like it should there. be how people are operating these days. It should yes. be a subject that we're still trying to, to evolve into. Yeah. However, on the interview process, they might say things like, well, I don't think their DNI is strong enough or, you know, what are their actual processes to make sure with their clients and candidates that they're upholding that all the time. Mm. So it's it's definitely questionable. I think it's got to be a good five years ago that I saw my companies go 
go through that Sharon and, and right. skill themselves. And, yeah. And, and I feel it's something that everybody wants. It's part of best practice. But I don't feel like it's been, like, I think the new sort of ESG environment, et cetera, is what is being singled out. Right. Where I think people just believe that, DNI is now part of our part of it, part of our world, of which our is life, which is good. As, as of course it should be. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, abs- I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I was just going to say that we've got lots of different kinds of companies who be who be listening, and I am sure they probably will go back and listen to this with a pad and, and a pen in their hand if they've been you know out walking the dog or running or in the car or something because there is so many gems that you've shared. But you know if someone wants to get hold of you either because they're in central London you know and they want to chat to you as a rector or they're interested in actually learning from you in terms of how they could enhance their internal recruiter process. How do people get in touch with you? Oh, thank you, Sharon. Well, uh, the company is GSR2R. Obviously, we have a very uh, uh, www.gsr2r.com. My email is just Cheryl at gsr2r.com, which is C-H-E-R-Y-L at G-S-R number two R.com. Or obviously, please invite me on LinkedIn. Should all LinkedIn. It'd be great to hear from people. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much. It's really insightful just hearing, you know, all the knowledge from your experience about what's happening in the market and what, you know, what companies can do to really put a strategy in place, get their branding right before they start attracting and then, you know, retaining and onboarding people. And and I, I'm sure many people will not have heard of that onboarding research. So that, that's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing all your experience with us. You're welcome. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to invite you back as well. <laughs> see you very soon bye Sharon thanks thanks Cheryl bye now if you enjoy this podcast and this year you are ready to take your marketing to the next level then check out Superfast Circle this is a unique marketing program designed specifically for recruiters and their marketeers you get access to two virtual marketing directors you get consultancy you get your hand held through the whole process training consulting and we provide content resources so go over to superfastrecruitment.co.uk forward slash join and check out what's available